The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We have a special edition today, and uh, me and Todd Zola are going to be talking about Dynasty Leagues, and um, first I want to welcome Todd uh, to the show and uh, congratulate him uh, on the FSWA Award, certainly well-deserved, and uh, you're on your way down to Baltimore. I'm on my way down to the Baltimore, D.C. area for the Friday edition of the Baseball HQ Ron Chandler First Pitch Forum. Then we head up the coast to New York, New Jersey on Saturday, and then on Sunday, we're back in uh, my backyard in Boston. I know this is kind of an evergreen podcast, so uh, it's going to be the first weekend in March. So if you're listening to it, anytime after the first weekend in March and you're going, well, I would have liked to have gone to that, well, you've got to wait a year, but we'll be doing it again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been to First Pitch Arizona. I I say it was the funnest weekend I'd ever had in fantasy sports for sure. Uh, it really kind of helped get me right. into the industry, and uh, it was it was really cool. So um, definitely, if you can get to Arizona or you can get to one of the forums, uh, priceless stuff. So for sure, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is. Um, you know, is dynasty leagues in baseball, and they're very popular in football. And there's a ton of content out there. There's there's shows, there's podcasts, there's rankings. I mean, it's just 
probably too much content <laughs> and guys playing 24 you know guys are playing 12 months out of the year etc uh but what i found is there's not a lot of content out there for dynasty baseball there's a lot of prospect rankings and there's certain ranking lists and um one of the things that we're not going to do in this podcast uh pr- just kind of a disclaimer uh we are not going to talk about individual prospects james anderson and clay link do that uh, on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, James puts out articles every single week, rankings, and some of the best stuff in the industry by far. So, you know, certainly if you're looking for prospect talk, you can head over and check mm-hmm. out that podcast and those that content. Um, we will talk about kind of methodology about prospects, but we won't get into individual players. Uh, so certainly check them out for that. So let's dig into it. Um, let's talk about why you want to play Dynasty Leagues. And, you know, one of the things that you brought up, Todd, and I think it's a great point, is the difference between a keeper and a Dynasty League because it often gets, uh, you know, wrongly defined. And I think you brought up some good good points about that. Yes. I mean, it's, it's more of a nitpick. You're on the Internet and someone says, I'm in a Dynasty League and someone wants to trade me tri- Mike Trout at $50, but I think that's too expensive. Well, you're not in Dynasty League then. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no, you know, listen, is there a, is there a book? You, uh, you can't go online and look up the definition. For me, Michael, this is the turnover. In a Dynasty League, there should be very little, if any, turnover. The, you know, maybe the back end of your roster you, the, could be dropped every year to keep under a limit and pick guys up or, or activated minor leaguers or something like that. But th- there shouldn't be contracts that expire. And there shouldn't be salaries and or draft rounds that are prohibitive to keep the keep the guy in a true dynasty league. Now, there's a lot of hybrids out there, right? I mean, the, we, we talk about the XFL that a few of us are in. It's kind of a it's an industry keeper league. But I don't know if it's I mean, we don't we're not like tout wars or labor, but there's some industry people in it. And that's kind of a it's a it's a hybrid in that there's escalating contracts, but they escalate so slow that there's not as much turnover as a keeper league. So there's hybrids, but the point being, we're talking about, you know, the dynasty, we want to build a team and win it for 10 years, right? That's the plan. So we're talking, you know, Mike Trout is going to be available in your first draft and he might never be available again. That's the kind of league we're talking about. Right. For sure. Uh, and typically, you know, the dynasty leagues that I've played in, I've been playing, uh, for about 10 years. I took a three or four year hiatus, uh, when I was working in DFS, and then I kind of came back to it this year. So that's kind of what got the blood pumping for me is um, I'm typically in a uh, – it's almost usually like an 18, 20, 24. You know, it could be up to 32, which gets a little mm-hmm. bit crazy. But we're talking about not a 12-team really because I think, again, we start talking a little bit about keepers when you start talking about 12-team leagues. Um, these are massive leagues. These are 18-team-plus leagues where you've got – that 30 man roster that you would traditionally have in a in a season long redraft but you've also got anywhere from 10 15 20 prospects kind of you know on a separate you know minor leaguers prospects mm-hmm. or you want to call them uh and that in the startup everybody's in the player pool together and then once the startup you know once you're in year 2 now you basically got a quote unquote free agent draft or some, what some leagues will do is they'll do separate and they'll do a free agent draft and they'll do a rookie draft, um, right. free agent draft, meaning somebody signed, like I can give you like, remember the year that Darvish and Cespedes came over at the same time, you know, those guys fell into a quote unquote free agent pool 
Whereas your prospects, uh, actually that year, actually, I believe Mookie Betts was a guy who had <laughs> gone unowned uh, and it kind of came on the scene and he fell into the rookie draft. So um, you were correct when he said very little turnover because the drafts the following year after the startup are very small. You could be looking at anywhere from one to three rounds, depending on. Uh, if it's rookie or free agent, sometimes there's a mid-season draft. A lot of times mm-hmm. what guys will do is um, <clears throat> the July 2nd period, which is the international signing period, and then the MLB draft, which is in June. Typically what a lot of guys will do is run a mid-season, you know, maybe the middle of July or early July, and say, hey, any it's a first-year draft. Uh, anybody who is in the draft mm-hmm. or was an IFA, international free agent uh, acquisition, is in that pool. So again, you're not talking about deep, you know, those could be anywhere from five, six, seven rounds. But again, you're going from a 40 or a 50 round startup draft to a, you know, small draft, you know, small drafts after the startup. Um, and you talked about the contracts. I think for me, I stay away from those. Um, I, I like the, just a straight draft. I think when you start getting into contracts, the trade value on a lot of players just gets so different that it well, really – Yeah, you really – I mean, yeah, exactly. Dynasty is mostly drafts. So you can – yeah, you want to do your first team with an auction, maybe draft your starting 23 with an auction, and then you know draft the, the reserve, the ultra part. Right. Sure. Maybe you can do something like that. But once the once – the, you know, once you're paying 56 for Trout – you know, 55 for Kershaw, it's gone. It, now right. they're just a player in your team. Right. Uh, for you know, sure. And we say, you know, you're talking about cuts or whatever, uh, that what the typical standard roster is, what, 23? Right. So some leagues may say you can keep 20 uh, ma- you know, active major leaguers and, you know, whatever whatever amount of minors to make your, if it's a 40-man total roster. Sure. So you may be cutting guys that retired, you know, right. You for may sure. be cut. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you, you know, somebody, some to just keep everybody or prospects that retire. prospects that completely flamed out. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, there's different sort of ways to, to tenor it at the very end there. But I mean, I mean they, you know, the, the, the free agent draft may include, you know, uh, the, the 21st player on somebody's roster or something. Just, it, it's all day. You know, some things just, you keep them all, right. you know, you get them all. And if you, if the guy retires or, moves to Japan or, 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 or something to that effect, you have an open roster spot, which you can use, you know, Fabit or, uh, you know, whoever it is that you fill in the rosters at the end of the year, you just have one extra spot to fill. So, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, you said why, you know, you, I didn't really answer, we didn't really discuss why one would want to do it. I, you know, we all, you know, we, we can draft, you can draft Ronald Acuna, you know, this year in a, in a redraft league or, or even a keeper league. But, you know, it, that's everybody knows Ronald Acuna. The dynasty league, you really get to go deep. You get to follow the career of the player. Listen, through high school, you know, right. I'm I'm sure I'm sure someone drafted Bryce Harper as a catcher in high school. Yeah, in, in it's funny league, you, you know? mentioned Harper as a catcher because I actually um, had that as one of my talking points that we'll get ah. into later on. Um, so really good, really good there. Really good. To, um, we'll talk about, uh, we start getting into like positions and, and why it's right, not right. relevant to drive positions. That actually was one of the points I was going to bring up. So we'll talk about that. Um, no, for sure. You're absolutely right. Um, one of the things I do want to touch on is just be very leery of leagues that are first come first serve on prospects. 
because then it's the turnover on rosters to get to the point where it's almost impossible to track. Mm -hmm. And you've got somebody that's sitting by a computer and this happens to pick up the Cuban signing for the week or the international signing for the day. And it's really not fair to the league. So, you know, just be aware. I've been in dynasty leagues that were first come first serve and I didn't realize the impact that it had, the negative Mm -hmm. impact that it had. And once I realized it, I dropped out of the league and I would never go back to that format ever again. So just, you know, really focus on leagues that have those drafts because it's going to protect the league. And and then also too, um, draft picks become equity. And so Mm -hmm. I remember the year that Darvish and Cespedes had come over in the league that I was in. And the second pick in the free agent draft was worth a lot because it happened to be Cespedes. So, you know, that's something that you certainly want to, you know, it, mm-hmm. it makes drafts uh, picks have equity. And so first come first serve really kills the whole point of having a dynasty uh, league to begin with. Let's get into um, – so we have two separate parts to the roster. You know, we've got the major league roster and we've got mm-hmm. the prospects. Um Let's talk about because you you got a lot of experience, obviously, in mono leagues. And um, when we're talking twenty team league, you know, it, it, look, that's a hundred outfielders that are starting. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know, so that's when things get a little hairy. Uh, two catcher leagues, you've got forty catchers that are starting. So obviously, there's only thirty two starting you know catchers in the league or thirty. So now you're you're drafting backup catchers or platoons. It's a lot easier, a little bit more these days. But again, mm-hmm. it's just a different strategy. So, um, talk about uh, you know, there's different ways that um, before we jump around, let's I'll, I'll, the playing time situation. Why don't you talk about how you look at when you're drafting in a twenty team league? Um, and I'm not necessarily just talking about dynasty because that's when age comes in. I'm just talking like 20 team league. What are you looking at in terms of playing time? Well, uh, I mean, you're not, you're going to need, you're going to get some part timers, you know, even in a 15 team mixed, the back end outfielders in the middle and corners, a lot of them are are part timers. So, you know, you always hear, you know, I want to fill my roster with, with, with full timers, you know, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. So you have to sort of – what I like to do is figure out th- th- those back-end players. How can they be better than what everybody thinks they're going to be? Is, is, is there a pathway to more playing time? Does someone get hurt? Do they back up so many positions that there's a, a clearer path? Is, you know, is, is, uh, is, the pers- is the player ahead of them not really that good? So they if, – if, you know, do they lose a – some of my favorite – uh, ways to approach it is the, the the guy that you think was going to win the playing time battle, but didn't because of a poor spring. They're usually playing by May because you know it's just the the small sample of the spring. You you flip it and they're playing by May. So I uh, I'd like to those are the guy the kind of guys that you know I put on my roster. You know we can call it the end game whatever you want to call it there, and I'd like to have a you know I you know upside is easy you know it's like regression. What do you mean by that? So the upside I look for is a pathway to more playing time because of an injury to another player or they're in front of a, a bad player. Or maybe they just have to prove themselves. Sometimes there's just a player that just has to, uh, you know, we, we, we were kind of, we, we were talking, we were, we were Red Sox fans, we were talking about Blake Swihart uh, previous to, to coming on. Uh, he just has to prove himself. If he proves himself, he could be, you know, be catching 40% of the Red Sox games. 
So he, he may be a second catcher. You know, Alex Cora may say, Vasquez is my main guy, and, and maybe Leon and Swihart both make it because so-and-so got hurt. You know, Swihart's the guy I want because he has got a legit shot to catch, you know, two out of five games a week. So that's sort of the way I look at it. We'll bring up Swihart uh, again when we talk about um, players to target um, the quote-unquote post-type guys and pedigree and things like that and how, how important that is uh, when it comes to drafting prospects. Um, knowing depth charts, I think, kind of tying into what you had just said, like, you know, who is the who is the fourth outfielder? Who is the fifth outfielder? Are they lefties so they get a better part of the platoon? Um, things like that. I think also some of the things I'll look at is bad teams, um, and because often bad teams are filled with bad players. You know, go figure. So if um, let's say for example uh, a team like Oakland and you know their their situation with uh, with their Fowler Powell or whatever. You know, uh, Fowler is a guy that if he can get on the field and be healthy by the time everything gets going, you know, is a guy that's going to win the battle and then provide value. Whereas right now, maybe he's not listed as a starter. Um, so I think like bad teams that like, you know, like whether it's Detroit or whether it's Chicago or, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of teams that are falling in that boat. But bad teams, a lot of times are the way that you can find at bats where everyone else is kind of overlooking it. And, you know, again, it comes down to the pedigree of the player. And sometimes that, you know, just remember counting stats in these 20 team leagues are huge. And on the hitting side, you're only really worried about uh, one ratio, which, you know, batting order, uh, I'm sorry, batting average, whereas runs, stolen bases, RBIs, home runs are counting stats. And really, if you go back and look at standings in a 20 team league, the teams that are at the top are often the teams that had the most at bats. Maybe not, maybe not the best players, but had the most at bats. Yeah. Now to carry to make to take your point a little bit further, kind of tying all together, people shy away from players on bad teams because of the counting stats. Oh, so apparently I'm up, I'm up in a draft. I apologize nice. for that. <laughs> hey man, no worries. It's going <laughs> off all day for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, so the. Uh, Oh yeah. Okay. So so players fade. Uh, drafters fade. How about that? A DFS term in in in, in regular fantasy baseball. Yeah. Players fade. Uh, owners fade players on poor teams because they're afraid they're not going to get the runs in RBI. Right. But what act, what happens though is you get the runs in RBI, especially if you take guys near the top of the order. Yep. Another DFS trick. Yep. You get the runs in RBIs commensurate with that draft spot, and what actually happens is you get. You know, a couple extra homers and or steals relative to that draft spot. The, the so it's a, you can kind of take advantage, uh, thinking I, we don't want to get too involved with players because we're trying to make this a generic evergreen dynasty and not focus too much on players. But you know, a, a guy like Wellington Castillo, for we're talking about catchers. Yeah, he plays in the White Sox. He's not going to get as many runs in RBI. Okay, but he's going to hit fourth. He's going to hit a ton of homers, and where you're drafting him. He's going to get ample runs in RBI for that spot. Right. So the the discount bakes in the discount or the, the fewer runs in RBI, but the value I hate the word value, but the potential profit is because he's going to get you a few more homers than somebody that hits that many RBI. I mean the RBI and runs are correct. It's the homers that are wrong for that draft spot. Yeah. No. Great point. You know, and how many catchers these days are going to get the 500 at bats? Uh, especially in that in that part of the draft as well. Um, 
let's talk about roster construction and not necessarily what's right and what's wrong, but kind of like there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat that Mm -hmm. I've seen. And, you know, I've seen it where, um, uh, owners will draft all veterans, uh, and, and real, and, and just leave prospects at the end. And then the prospects they're drafting are all 24, 25, 26 year old players. Uh, I've seen it where, uh, owners will draft all prospects early and then just fill in veterans later, in essence, tanking. And it could be tanking for several years. Um, I go at it of an approach of I try to get as many players that are in the major leagues that are kind of on the upswing, that are at that 23, 24, 25-year-old age range where I'm getting their prime years. And I'm also getting several prime years after that. So I'm kind of looking at the 23 to 27-year-old window where I'm trying to capitalize on that as much as possible. So if there's any other um, any other ways that you think of building the team or you know what, what any input you have on that. But um, one of the things I will caution is oftentimes in these leagues, um, they don't last more than three years. A lot of times dynasty leagues will crumble uh, for a lot of different reasons. There's too many owners – too many people tanking. Uh, somebody wins money the first year and, and, and then cashes out and then abandons a team that's left with nothing. So my caution is that's why I do the, what I do because I'm not going to go for the one year and, and get out and I'm not going to go for the tanking of three years. Yeah, you kind of you, – you, 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 you hinted on a point that I wanted to make. I don't want to call it the elephant in the room so to speak, but I don't like – playing in dynasty leagues with money for the very reason that you mentioned is that too many, you you put you invest your time and too many of them just collapse because, you know, I, I win for several years. My team stinks. Now I'm taking my money and running and there's no, there's no, uh, you know, that there's nothing to prevent that from happening. So to me, the the dynasty leagues are so uh, just the sure fun enjoyment of, of, Playing in it and you know competing and possibly winning is enough for me. I don't you know I play in enough money leagues elsewhere, so you know I, that's not for everybody. People want to have some skin in the game. That's fine, but so the point being, be just be sure that it's a group of guys, maybe some friends or or, or you have you're you're joining a league through somebody in there. It's their friends. Don't you know? Be really careful if you join a money dynasty league. It's just like you're saying; it could, could just collapse. There's too many bad things that can go wrong. Yeah. So, under the even 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 given that, okay, even with those parameters, I still sort of side with you in that I want to win now, and I'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, I mean, a tie will go to the younger upside player, but I'm not going to shy away. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to get a discount on Nelson Cruz because yep. it is a dynasty league. But I'm not. He's not. I'm not. He's on my list. I want him because I want to win this year. And it, 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 we mentioned there's no there's not a lot of turnover. There should be trading in a dynasty league. So I just figure if if the, if I if I don't do well my first year or two or three, I can make some trades because I mean we'll we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure a little bit. Keeper league trades and dynasty league trades are a little different. Keeper league trades, you know, it's it's you, you can rebuild quicker. So you got to be careful about trading away Victor Robles or or or, or Michael Kopech in a dynasty league because uh, 
you know, you don't you don't have the inventory to replenish after making that trade. But you know, flags do fly forever. You do probably want to make a trade or two to improve your stead for the championship. So I just figure that when my time is up, maybe I maybe I won the first couple of years or I tried to compete and didn't. I do have the trade avenue, so it's not like I'm completely starting from scratch and trying to get the best prospects and building for four or five or six years. So I, I am with you, and, and I try to take advantage of those that – I mean others, and I've seen this work too, is they do tank it. And I don't use the word tank because that sounds like the purpose is trying to lose. There's a purpose to what they're doing. Right. Right? They, 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 they opt to – they opt to – compete in years five to or three to eight or whatever it is and you know you now have <laughs> once you do do your rebuild through trades you're now competing with teams that just have you know all the top prospects from the, you know there's a team that's gonna have Robles and Acuna and Kingery and right. and Kopech and and uh Walker Bueller you know in, in five years that team's gonna be dynamite and you're gonna have to try to compete with that team right so uh so you know make sure make sure the league's around in five years and it is a, and the worst thing I think, Michael, maybe agree, disagree, I don't know, is to kind of play the middle. You know, I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to try to win, and I'm going to try to draft prospects. You end up doing neither, you know? Yeah, I'll just reference a league that I'm in right now. The kind of the league that got me back into it is um, I took the approach of I was going to take as many major league. It's 50 rounds, 30 major leaguers, and 20 prospects. I took the approach – I knew that there was going to be a handful of guys going prospect only. And so I just said, if an elite guy drops uh, for whatever reason, and I think at that point I don't like anybody that's you know a quote-unquote redraft player, then I'll, I'll pounce. But otherwise, I'm just going to wait to the end, and I'm going to scoop anybody that fell. And I have a certain profile of players that I look for. But um, I actually took two prospects. I took Bo Bichette in round six. Because I felt like he actually dropped a little bit in comparison to what, you know, and I actually think that I like guys that I think are going to we'll get into prospects, but I like guys I think that could move quick mm-hmm. and get to the big leagues very fast. And he was a guy that, I, I you know, again, I don't want to get into it too much because James and Clay do that. And, and I know James loves Bichette and um, just kind of like that's the kind of guy that I'd look for if he fell. Mm-hmm. Um, but. What I'm typically trying to do is if you think – if you're in a 20-team 20, uh, 20 league, um, you know, at the, at the end, you just – you know, you got to have a plan. We'll get, we'll get into the plan about the, you know, the roster construction of the prospects. But um, what, how would you approach starting pitching in a 20-team league like this? Because, again, we're talking about uh, six, you know, six starting pitchers. Um, 20, you know, 20 teams. So that's 120. So that basically means everybody's one through four, so to speak in the major leagues. Um, are you, are you more than willing to take a a fifth guy on a better team or are you looking at like, you know, like, are you looking at Clayton Richard more or are you, are you just like, wow, you know, he just, he stinks. I don't want him, you know, you know, just, you know, how are you approaching not aces, but more along the lines of just, I know I'm going to have to carry, you know, nine starting pitchers or whatever it is. Like, ideally, what would you be looking for? Yeah. So the, the big, one of the biggest differences between keeper leagues and dynasty leagues is you have to keep pitching. You know, you, you, you know, if I have an eight-man keeper list, 
a lot of times I'll have eight hitters and I'm Bingo. drafting or buying pitching. Great. You have to keep pitching. Yep. So you 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 know you can't you know I would say bully hitting manage pitching. You can't really manage pitching because you know you're gonna have, you're drafting it. So to that end, I'm not. I mean, I I, I I'm not. I have to draft pitching. If uh, if I'm trying to win and then people are off of of Kershaw because of the back and Scherzer because of the age and prefer to go a little bit lower down the chain and, and maybe get their Louis Castillos or Luis Severinos, I will. I, I'm I'm happy. I'll take I'll I'll take a Max Scherzer with a discount, a Kershaw with a discount, that sort of thing. Or Verlander may even be a good example too because of the age uh, with the age going on there. And then what I'll do is you now to sort of really answer the question you want to know about the back end. Give, you mentioned Clayton. Give me Nick Pavetta over Clayton Richard, right? Give me uh, Brandon Woodruff over. Okay. Uh, you know, give me a, a guy with upside. Right. You know, they're just I'm throwing darts at that at that point. Fultonevich. I mean, I think maybe a little bit higher than the dart, but you know, I mean, Pavetta might be a, a good a, example. Woodruff, you know, as well as as far as the guys at the back end, because I mean, you're, you at, at some point you are drafting reserves. And uh, some leagues mix in your minors with your majors. Some leagues get rid of all the majors. And then I like it better when they're mixed together. This way, if people are taking prospects, you're going to be able to get some uh, legit pitching in the 25th, 4th, 5th, 6th, you know, know, to pass the active roster. Because if you're taking Bichette in the 6th, that means that that's going to mean a major leaguer is going to be drafted after, you know, in the, in the 24th, right? Because it's going to push a guy down because you need right. a major leaguer there and you're not the only one. So that's kind of the way I'll, I'll do it is I'll, I'll take my shots. I you know, I want to make sure, you know, other people are on Bavetta or whoever it might be. And then I'll take Clayton Richards later, the sort of the more, you know, I, you know, not a boring, but kind of the lower, you know, the lower ceiling kind of, he's going to start. He has a job. It's a deep league. I need to put a guy there sort of pitcher. So, Early on, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the discount on the older pitchers or the injury-prone pitchers. In the middle to the end, I'm taking high upside shots, and then I'm sort of hedging that in reserve with the boring, safer. Well, someone's going to own Richard. Might as well be me, kind, you know, Jad Cool. Actually, Cool comes kind of with an upside tag or whatever. But um, just you know, Jules Chassine. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That yeah, for, yeah yep. even I think even CC falls into that range. Yep. You know, Kendall Graveman at this point. You know, give me give me Mengden in the seventeenth and Graveman in the twenty second. You know, that sort of thing. Are you looking at guys like that because they pitch in good ballparks? Actually, that the way that turned out. Yeah. Now, yes, that that is a that is a factor for me, especially if you're able to stream pitching or you know or, or you know not to scream but um activate into your favorable matchups so i i do i do look at that sort of thing as far as a tiebreaker goes in a good ballpark keeping in mind that you know bad pitchers are, are going to still give up runs in, in good par and in good pitchers parks and you know good hitters a bad hitters you know a bad hitter is still going to strike out in Coors field but yeah it's a factor it has to you know especially because once you get down to that part of the analysis, there's such a wide error bar on skills and how he's going to. Uh, you got to have a system. You got to have yeah. something that you're following at the end, and you're saying, "Hey, I got a pool here of, you know, thirty number fives. Who are the number fives that I think 
you know, I'm going to X out anybody in a hitter's park. I'm going to X out anybody that's consistently injured. I'm going to X out anybody that can't strike anybody out. And, you know, and then all of a sudden at the end of the day, I'm looking at a guy like Chris Stratton who's pitching right. in an incredible ballpark. Exactly. And I'm going to take a flyer on that guy because I'm saying to myself, well, you know, if, if the Giants can win 85 games and they allow him to go six innings, you know, a lot of the time, he'll be in position to win. He'll be in position to get the counting stats. And if I can get those home starts and I can get those uh, Dodger Stadium starts and I can get those Petco starts – well, now I've got something because I don't want Chris Stratton's. And I, I don't know if you were the one that brought this up, but I heard it recently. I don't need Chris Stratton's 25 starts. I need Chris right. Stratton's best 12 or best right. 15 because right. uh, the cores I'm not going near. And the Arizona, well, Arizona is different too. I mean, <laughs> so now, well, the, yeah. what's interesting, let's, you know, a little bit off topic real quick, but now all of a sudden the NL West, yeah, I think, you, comes back into play because all I'm worried about is Colorado. Well, yes, yes, with a with an asterisk in that good hitting teams. Arizona's still going to score runs. Right, that's a right. good hitting team. So it, the ballpark is just part. I mean, I'm less concerned, but I'm not. I'm still. I mean, what it, what it might mean is where I may have benched Jeff Samarja if he was mm-hmm. going through Arizona and Colorado. I might now play Samarja. Uh, I know there's a kind of a polar guy just because skills li- skills guys still love Samarja, uh, outcome guys that he stinks because he can't you know he can't his ERA is terrible, but you know the point being the mid the mid level pitchers but sure the back end guy um, you know yes it kind of it kind of keeps everybody up in tier and even hitters to a to a certain extent you know I I I adjusted Nolan Arenado's home run down by one because nine games. And not you know nine games is a lot. So right. he's going to have nine games in Arizona. So you know it, it's probably a round off thing. But if you figure out how many home runs he was you know on paper going to hit in Arizona, it's one fewer. So I mean I when I did my adjustments, I didn't just adjust the Arizona park factor. I adjusted um, everything. But you know that's not really a dynasty thing. Although you know I mean we could sort of. Well, it is in the sense that um, well, I, when I, I, well, the reason I brought it up is because I, when I said you got to have a system for when you're taking these end game pitchers, right? And you know that kind of plays into it. I'm looking at um, I'm looking at ballpark again. I'm pick like I, I don't mind taking the bad team in a really good ballpark. Uh, I'm probably not looking at Cincinnati Red pitchers as much as I'm looking at Padres A's, uh, Mariners. Um, you know that that kind of thing. Um, whereas I'd more lean towards them. Then I'm looking at who are the guys that, you know, are the, can they actually strike somebody out and do they, um, you know, do they, do they have decent whips? You know, are they, Mm -hmm. and and again, I'm not, don't worry so much about age when it comes to starting pitchers in a dynasty league at the back end. You know, so many people fall in love with, um, having to pick, the 22-year-old arm that is potentially going to break camp and be in the rotation. Look at the guy that's 25, 26, that's a little bit more established in AAA, whose roster spot is probably safer because the 22-year-old guy can get sent back to AAA very quickly if he has options. The 25-year-old guy, the 26-year-old guy may be out of options, and that team needs to see what that player can do, and so he's more likely to stick. Yeah, if we had recorded this two weeks ago and you asked me, hey, Dynasty League, who do you want more, Jake Faria or Brent Honeywell? I said, I want Brent Honeywell. 
well, right now, <laughs> not <Right>. so sure. <laughs> right. So yeah, no, no point well taken. Um, so it's yeah, the, the parks matter. The team, you know, the team context. You know, it's hard to say what the Giants are going to be in three or four years. You know, an interesting point is, you know, we we talk about ballparks. I kind of just mentioned Tampa. There's talk of Tampa moving to a new park. We have no idea how it's going to play. So I'm not I'm not going to break a tie on a Tampa pitcher, assuming they're going to be in the trop in five or six years because we don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't think they're going to have a band box because it kind of goes against their philosophy. I think, you know, I don't think you can build a team of the race nature in a band no, box. No, they're going to have to. They're, they're probably going to keep the same dimensions, if anything. Or, or yeah. some, to that effect, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's still going to be a, a pitcher-friendly environment just because – you know the, the, the way the way they got to build a team, but no, absolutely. And um, I don't know if you're going to bridge into relief pitching at all. I was. I was going to ask you about that. Is right. you know because the landscape of starting pitching is has changed so much. Is you know how much more valuable are relief pitchers in this format? Because again, um, people often overlook and say, well, you know, they're not going to pitch as many innings. But again, we're talking about um, uh, two ratio categories in addition to strikeouts and, you know, wins, maybe we don't worry about as much, but, you know, and, and saves are a totally different animal, but it's still K's whip and ERA that those relief pitchers can provide value. And any perfect example last year was, you know, we, we talk about Davinsky, we talk about Peacock, you know, those guys, I know you and I are a little bit older, um, and we can remember, um, I always tell people, go back and look at some of the Met teams in the eighties and look at the bullpen. They had guys with double digit wins, like several guys with double digit <laughs> wins back then. Are we headed back to that type of, you know, situation with relievers? Because the other thing too, is teams are not carrying as many hitters on their bench. They're, they're looking to carry more pitchers. Yeah, no, it's been that way, and this my piece in the Rotowire magazine was about this. It does, it, it kind of transcends all formats. So I think I think it's a given that middle relievers are more important. I think the question though is how does how does that affect drafting in a dynasty league? And I think you know it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Um, again, if I want to win this year, I'm gonna get I, I I want I want good closers just because. Uh, Krimble, Jansen, these guys over the average closer are worth two points in ERA, two points in whip, and two points in, in strikeouts. And over a terrible closer, they're worth more than that. So there is, of course, you have to pay. There's value to it, but you have to pay. You have to take an early pick, and you're not taking somebody else. Uh, so, but I, I'm willing to do that. And then to sort of make up for it, when I, uh, you know, I, maybe down the line, I want to not has to necessarily have a Kimbrel or a Jansen. Maybe I can trade those guys to a team trying to compete, but I need to backfill. So because I'm usually taking lesser prospects back in the when I have my team ready because I'm trying to win, I'm now taking uh, Joe Jimenez. Again, we, we, we didn't want to get, you know, we, we right. won't give the profile of Jimenez, but a right. closer of the future. Both right. of the, the Birdie brothers, uh, Nick and Zach. Right. So while you're taking – a 21-year-old, or maybe not you. Well, someone else taking a 19-year-old high upside shortstop. I'm taking. I'm trying to get the closer of the future. And if I get five of them, I'll use one of them to to come through. And if that one comes through, I now can trade Jansen or Kimbrel uh, for another position or more help to a team trying to win. 
And so that's kind of my approach. And now, you know, I'm saying, all right, I'm going to take a starting pitcher. I'm going to take a closer. What am I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm depriving myself of some early picks or, you know, probably hitting. This is where, this is where Nelson Cruz comes into play. This is where Adam Jones comes into play. Cause I'm going to get these guys later. Uh, at a, I hate the word value, but I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them at a point where they're going to get me profit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, even, I mean, you know, I, I to me, it's not value. It's potential. Right. You don't know value to the end, but I mean, I feel that this draft spot should return this amount of, of earnings. And I think Jones is going to return more. And, you know, cause people aren't going to be drafting, you know, Adam Jones are not going to be drafting Andrew McCutcheon. So anything I give uh, in order to get these pitchers, a starter and, you know, taking Grenke or, or, or Verlander early and also backing him up, not backing him up, but supporting him with a Kimbrel or a Jansen. Um, okay, well, people are ahead of me with hitting. Well, I'm going to make it up because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not shying away from Cruz and Jones and McCutcheon and, and, and some of these older hitters that are going to be getting at a, uh, at a return on investment. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's an approach that it's just like in, in, in regular draft too. It's, it's, you don't pick in a vacuum. You need to figure out an entire big plan, have everything meshed together. It's that same sort of idea, but you know, trying to win a redraft league and trying to build a dynasty team, you know, the, the plan is different, but the, the big picture, have everything sync up. It's a puzzle is not, you know, is, is the same. You have to look at, you know, reverse, reverse draft or whatever you want to call it. You have to look at everything together, you know? Um, one of the things uh, that I just thought of is how would you approach guys? Um, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the top, not the top echelon of free agents currently right now, like an Arietta or a Lynn or, you know, a guy or a Cobb. I'm talking about guys like Melky Cabrera, Brandon <laughs> Phillips, um, because I have a theory and I think we may be in alignment, but you know, would you be willing to take a shot on a Melky Cabrera, on a Brandon Phillips currently right now before they sign with a team? Just knowing that, hey, you know what? I'm getting these guys so late, and if they sign with a team, I'm pretty sure they're getting 400 at bats if they stay healthy. And boy, if they can just produce, you know, a dollar worth of value or two dollars or three dollars worth of value, you know, that, then I'm then I'm ahead. I've got Brandon Phillips on, I think, every single draft championship teams that I've drafted so far. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he's just kind of my guy because he can do right. second and third. Yep. And Melky too. Uh, Melky always. You know, Melky and Nick Markakis, they're always mm-hmm. they always go to the end. And sure, you'd rather you know, what do you do? You you take the you take the uh, I don't know, Charlie Tilson as your fifth outfielder because you need speed, but then your first reserve's Markakis because if Tilson bombs, well I'm not you know, I still got Markakis to put in there. Same idea same idea in a dynasty. You know, Melky you know, he's the the age and everything else. If I'm trying to win, you know, if we're trying to win this year i mean this is going to be an evergreen podcast someone's going to listen to it next year melky could be retired but there'll be another melky to talk about you know those are uh, those are great ways to uh fill out your team and 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 make up for some lost point production early because i took a kimbrel and i took a scherzer or whatever so these guys you know i i have melky on some teams too is it going to be I mean, can't go back to Kansas City. Who's who knows who he's gonna you know who he's gonna go back to? You know, maybe Brandon Phillips sides with the Tigers. No, I mean, I knew you had mentioned that. I heard you talk about Brandon Phillips to the Tigers. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. Who um, knows? You know, look at teams that um, have gaping holes at a position, and then say to yourself, you know, 
could the Tigers sign Phillips on a one-year deal? You know, yeah, absolutely. It could definitely happen. You know, could the Padres sign him on a one-year deal? Nah, they might. They might. You know, they could do it. I you hope know. not. Right. Well, they've already got 14 second baseman already. Yeah. They got, well, <laughs> you, 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 your, your guy Spagenberg. But uh, no, in terms of just like, you know, there's just not a lot there that's, you know, listed at the, as a starter. You know, it's at the bottom five in the league. So, those are teams. One of the things I wanted to to, um, to bring up too is, um, again, on the end game with starting pitching. You know, how would you look at a guy like Homer Bailey in this type of league? Yeah, Bailey's in this type of league. I would be more willing to take a shot because if he, I mean, I, he's got a couple years to figure something out. A guy like Homer Bailey, I mean, I'm not predicting it's going to happen. But what if this guy? What if they just make him in a, a, a reliever? Who knows what could happen then? So in a dynasty league, sure. Now you, there's limited spots. It, it takes up a, a prospect spot, you, or does you can take only up you really spot. do like one of those type of guys. Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah, important yeah. that we talk about you know roster construction. I'm going to talk about that a lot when yeah. it comes to prospects. But I think that's the thing is um, is you can you can afford to take a flyer on you know oftentimes in a 50 round draft or whatever. People think that, oh, I've got picks to burn. Well, you don't. You don't have picks to burn because the other guy's not burning picks and the other guy's getting innings and the other guy's getting at bats and you're just going to fall behind. So, um, you know, it's important that, look, if Homer Bailey's healthy, he's he's going out there and he's throwing. I mean, he's making a ton of money. They, right. they don't have anybody. And so he's going out there until his arm falls off again. Uh, hopefully not. But just, you know, that was one name that I thought of. I'll give you a name of a guy that I took a flyer on. It paid off is, um, you know, think about a player who came up and did really well. And then for whatever reason, got hurt, you know, maybe again, like a Bailey, I'm going to go back a little bit because this guy definitely paid off for me. And that was Chris Medlin. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris Medlin kind of came out of nowhere and then was productive and then had consistent injury after injury after injury. But then, when he finally got, you know, the Braves kept with like signing to a minor league deal, I would take flyer on guys like that. And again, one, I would take a flyer on a Medlin because he was so elite when he had that monster year or two, whatever it was, a year and a half. He was just mm-hmm. so good that I'm like, if he ever gets somewhat back to that, the payoff on the ROI is huge versus a player that a minor league guy that I have no history on in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean Mike Miner could be another mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. another example. I don't like the team, but you know Mike right, Miner could right. be a an example of that. Yeah, now uh, Trevor Cahill was a guy I took a flyer yeah, on, yeah, uh, yeah, and unfortunately yeah. got hurt. But he did well with the Cubs, and he did well with the Padres until he got hurt. Now he's with Kansas City, so that might be a guy that you know super late in a draft where you're in the forty, whether it's champions or dynasty, he's in a good ballpark. There's really no roadblocks as far as who's going to block him in the rotation. If he does come back, you know he showed some some good uh, growth as far as changing his repertoire as a pitcher. And again, he was he was decent with Oakland for a few years when he first came up. Yep. So I'd rather go back and take a chance on a guy like that that's had some pedigree than somebody who has no pedigree. Right, and the, the way to a way, and this is the, the true with any roster, but a nice way to be able to do this. Is to draft your young Vela Salartes, your Asdrubal Cabreras, because you can now you're now backing up several positions. So instead of needing four infielders to back up your four 
infield positions, if you need two or three, you've now availed a spot to take one of these flyers. And then, again, this this transcends all formats, but don't don't say because there's 50 spots, multiple position doesn't mean as much. It may even be more. It may, I think it means more. It may even mean more. It means more because when you talk about replacement level and when guys start hitting the DL and you start yeah. going to the waiver wire and it's junk and there's nothing there, and so what you're doing is you can slide the Cabreras or the Marwin Gonzalez's or yes. the you know into some other spot, and then you're saying to yourself, "Man, I got to fill utility, so I just need to get the best guy out there. I don't need to fill second base." Which now I'm looking at, you know, Dixon Machado, whoever it is, you know, somebody who I know is a negative, <laughs> you know, is a, is a negative value play, and I might as well just punt and have a zero. Right. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that was one of the things I want to bring up too, as far as on the hitting side is how much weight you would put on the multi position because again we talk about replacement level and you go to the you go to the waivers and there's nothing there, you know, and you're and you're stuck and you're backed into a corner by just grabbing us. Now all of a sudden you have to trade for a second baseman and you probably right. have to overpay to go get a guy who is starting. Uh, because now that guy's given up depth that he probably doesn't have either. I mean, there's there's no such thing as depth in a 20-team league. <laughs> Absolutely. Agree 100%. Um, anything else you want to talk about as far as like the major league roster and how to approach that side of it before we get into the minor league guys? Well, this uh, it kind of this maybe this will be the bridge and because it, it's it kind of hit hinted on it with with closers and it's the approach of catchers. And yeah, again, for sure. one, yep. One, yep. one catcher versus two catcher. I don't know what assumption that we want to make. I'm going to assume if we're doing dynasty that it's a two catcher league. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't make that assumption. But my point being is I, um, I, I will accept a discount on a catcher because people aren't going to be drafting him high. But I also – I like I like taking you know everybody doesn't want to take a catcher and, and reserve just because or prospect just because they don't pan out whatever I like taking the catchers because if they do it's just like one less thing to worry about you just don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm gonna I will jump Francisco up on my list a little bit higher maybe it's because I'm thinking of the major dynasty league I play is the the XFL which I referenced or if I don't remember if I referenced off or yeah. on the air with you but the point being. It's kind of a hybrid league, and catchers just go for goofy prices. So I'm kind of like I'm gonna I want I want my catcher to be you know a one dollar three dollar five dollar player because that's what our minor leaguers do at the beginning, and uh, you know and, and hope I hit on one. So I'm not against drafting you know a, a good catchers, but again that's a very tradable commodity, is because a team that's trying to win. You know, maybe they probably have a pretty good team. There's a good chance that they can upgrade a catcher. So if I'm if I need to trade a guy, I I, I don't mind having a catcher to trade them. But long term, I want to develop. I want to have the catch. And I know the the I don't use the word hit rate because that confuses what you know the baseball term. But the success rate of 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 catchers is kind of poor as far as prospects go. But I I kind of embrace that because that means you can get them at a better spot or, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, I'm not against it, but as far as drafting catchers uh, is, uh, uh, I, even in a deep league, I don't, I, in a dynasty situation, I don't want to get stuck with the two back end guys. I want to have a couple guys that I know 
are going to give me, you know, uh, mm. twenty team yeah, lead. Yep. Good, decent product. I mean, they may not be the the bell cows, right? But I want pretty decent production out of them. I um the dynasty league I just jumped back into. I went Sal Perez and Russell Martin. Okay. I wanted at bats, um, and I wanted guys that weren't going to kill me. Martin has done it in the past. Whether or not he does it this year, I really don't care. I just want him on the field. Um, I don't want a situation where somebody's splitting time 50-50. Uh, if it's 60-40, I'm fine with that. But, you know, 65-35, whatever. And Sal Perez, is, you know, as long as he's healthy, is going to roll out and get 600 at-bats, uh, productive at-bats. So um, I didn't overpay for those guys. I got Martin extremely late. But, you know, I'm kind of like – I'm not. I'm not getting a, a, a scrub catcher um, just for the sake of saying, "Oh, I don't care about the second catcher spot." Because uh, at the end of the day, I'm trying to win the league, and if I have a zero at second catcher, I'm not going to win the league. So, um, one of the things also is, would you handcuff catcher? For example, would you go like, uh, let's say you took Sal Perez, but then you went uh, Pena and vote. Uh, as your second catcher and you would stream them or however you would do it. Um, or you would just have the backup in case one of the guys got hurt. And then all of a sudden that guy's going to inherit playing time. Like, would you ever consider that? Uh, part of that. Now I, what I would not do is Perez and then go vote and, and, uh, uh, Pena. Um, because I'm, I'm, I think I'm now, I don't want to say wasting a roster spot, right. but I'm utilizing a roster spot for something I don't want to use it. Now, to, so kind of jumping back to your Martin, uh, Martin thing, if I could get Danny Jansen in the minors, I would be all over that. Because now you've got, you know, you've got your minor league catcher, and if, if, if Martin gets hurt or when he retires, right. you've got the guy. But what, I, what I'll do, if I try to find, if I'm not going to get a top guy, in, in a 20-team league, I think this is viable. It's not as viable in a, uh, a lesser, um, but if I'm going to get a, a – I don't mind getting my one – both of my catchers to be the, the, the top two catchers of the same team because I'm, I'm paying a discount, and I now have them both. And if one were to get hurt, the other jumps up. And one of the – you know, Vote and Pena are – are uh, one of the you know one of the one of the pairings that I will look for in draft this year, and, and I, was, I, I thought of one other. It may come to me. Flowers the, and Suzuki. Yeah, that's one. Um, I don't know if I would. Yes, yes, that is one. And yeah. I, I, maybe that was the one. There could be a third. I don't remember. I'm not as. I, I think Suzuki's gonna. Um, well, I think they're both gonna disappoint. But I think Suzuki's gonna disappoint more than Flowers. But that's sort of neither here nor there. Right. Uh, but that's sort of the. the but if the you idea. had done it, if you had done it last year, it would have paid off in spades. Because oh, when you look at right, you look at team catching. I mean, there's no way anybody could have predicted it. I actually like Tyler Flowers last year as, as a second catcher, but right. he, he outperformed anything I ever would have thought he would have done. But. Um, it was one of those things where if you actually go to Fangraphs and you look at team catcher, you know, the Braves were number one when you talk about, uh, you know, yep. runs created or war or whatever, offensive war. It was like unbelievable uh, that that you would think that, you know, above the Giants and above the Yankees. Uh, so just kind of interesting, uh, you know, how that played out. Uh, I think that's a that's a wrap on uh, the major league side and how to approach that. Let's get over to the prospect side and. You know, there's a, I think there's a lot of um, again not getting not getting into specific players, but I think more of methodology and things to consider. Um, 
I think that there's a huge opportunity to really, you know, provide some education to people who are playing in leagues because I see a lot of mistakes and I've made those mistakes in the past and I, and I try not to make them again. <laughs> um, not sure we're going to be able to cover all of them. I think there's a lot of different things that you can talk about when it comes to prospects, but um, you had talked about catcher. And so we'll start with um, positional risk. And let's let's talk about catcher because I think there's a there's a lot of different things that a lot of people maybe don't consider. And um, one of the things I, I I look at is I think people feel that they have to draft. Let's say you have a twenty um, you have a twenty man roster for prospects. Um, I've seen it where guys are drafting two catching prospects, and if I've only got twenty spots and I'm drafting two catcher prospects. To me, that's a gross uh, misstep in terms of roster construction. Uh, it depends how deep the league is because I don't know how deep – I mean if you're a 20-team league and you're drafting 400 prospects, I'll take Carson Kelly over you – know, I'll take Carson Kelly and Danny Jansen and Chan Sisko over the 19-year-old kid from, you know, that, from the, uh, Venezuela that has a high upside, but we just don't know if he's going to develop. So I'm, I'm kind of I don't, – I don't mind drafting the catchers because – I'm still in the. It, I think it helps the win now sort of mode. So I may be the. You know, I don't know if it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm not against. I'm not going to take. I mean, it has to be a pretty good prospect. Okay. Uh, but I mean, uh, but I, I'm not against drafting it because of the uh, the hit rate. I mean, but I don't. There's some. There's got to be some criteria in play. I think. I think you're not drafting the guy in a ball. I think you're. The no, names no, that, no. Right. The names that you just dropped, I think, make sense in the sense that. These guys are at AAA, or they're on the, or they're really, really close. They're at AA, AAA, and they're in a situation where maybe in a year or two they're going to be starting catchers. Yeah, yeah, but yet people still <laughs> shy away from them. So I don't know if I'd have all three, but right. if I, but I, I'm not, I'm not shy about drafting. I'm not afraid of the injury. Everybody gets hurt, and catchers don't get hurt more than position players. Um, Part of it because they don't play as much, so that they're, they're, they're you know per per playing time, catcher injuries are pretty much the same as position players, just because uh, like I said they they don't have the opportunity they're not playing as much, but anyway I um I'm not shying away from a catcher, but I'm not what I'm not doing is taking the 19 year old uh, catcher with the incredible hit tool and hoping his team develops can can develop behind the plate. I think you must have you must be in my head because that was the next thing I was going to bring up is. <laughs> Is the risk of when you draft a young catcher is is huge because one it, it's what you if the defense doesn't develop if he can't call a game if he can't frame pitches and he can't throw out runners they're gonna have to move him off catcher and they may not do it right away and you may not realize it or know it I'll give you a prime example Jesus Montero mm-hmm. so when Jesus Montero was a was a prospect in the Yankee system I mean in essence he was today's Gary Sant you know he was. He was Gary Sanchez before Gary Sanchez, but he never he never developed as a catcher, and he flamed out as a prospect. And so, what happened was you had people that were that were paying top dollar in dynasty mm-hmm. drafts for Jesus Montero because he was labeled a catcher and playing catcher in the minor leagues. But if you spoke to anybody that was a scout that had watched him, they would tell you he can barely throw the ball back to the pitcher. Right. He can't, you know, this is a guy who's never going to play catcher in the big league. So I think what you have to be leery of with catchers is, you know, if you're taking a 19 year old kid, what if he, what if he doesn't have the size? He may be too small, 
but right now the organization has him at catcher because they're going to leave him there as long as possible. So if he doesn't have the size to stick in the bigs and they got to move him, you basically wasted a pick. Um, because the bat's probably not going to be elite, and if you paid for an elite catcher anyway, it's you know that that's fine. We're not really talking about that, but mm-hmm. I think there's so much risk at the catcher position with prospects. I think you nailed it as far as if you're going to do it, you need to take a guy that is 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 really really close, is at double A AA or triple A, maybe is a little bit longer in the tooth, maybe he's not 19, 20 years old, right. you're gonna overpay for those guys anyway. Maybe he is twenty four years old at double A, but the path to the big leagues is one injury away and he's ready. I look for guys if I'm gonna go catch a prospect and I'll usually will take a flyer on one guy is I want a guy who's already showing batting eye. And I don't want the guy hitting two. I don't want the Zanino two twenty. Hopefully, he had, figures it out one day. Um, I want the guy who's hitting, you know, two sixty ish, or you know, but is drawing walks, has a good batting eye. And I say to myself, you know, I'm not worried about twenty home runs, and I'm not worried about twenty stolen bases. I just want a guy who's going to stick in the big leagues and not hurt me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. I know. I, I've always. You always don't you get frustrated just as a baseball fan when a, when a catcher has terrible uh, pitch recognition because he's a catcher. He sees pitches all the time. Never heard anybody <laughs> talk about it that way, but you're right. You're absolutely it just, right. It yeah. drives yeah. me nuts. Uh, it, it just drives me crazy that how can you be such a free swinger mm-hmm. when the other half the time you're 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 giggling under your breath because Joey Gallo's yep. you yep. know taking a a, a wild ball. cut. But anyway, the point. I mean, it's a different. It is a different thing. But um, still, no, I I'm, I'm there. I may not. I don't know if I'm looking necessarily for the for the the, the patience, but I'm I'm looking for something and. Um, usually to get to that point, they they kind of have that. But um, I see, you know, I'm not. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't know that that's one of my filters. I kind of everything's kind of individual with me. So, but I I, I do see where the, where that could uh, be. A, you know, a fine. Other, you know, the Jeremy Hermitas of the world aside. Uh, you know, most most people with with decent OBP skills or just you know plate skills do uh, have a better chance of making it. Let's talk about the other position uh, on the other side of the, of the battery, and that's pitcher. And, uh, again, I'm not quite sure that people um, understand the risk of pitcher. Um, again, mm-hmm. I see uh, – again, I'm not talking – you know, look, there's there's always going to be Kershaws of the world that come up and, and you know, that that's fine. But the, the flame out rate on a pitcher is so huge that I'm not sure that a lot of people really understand the flame out rate and why, you know, it take, you know, again, and we'll get into this like college versus high school. Um, you know, do I look at taking college pitching prospects over high school pitching prospects? Um, you know, that's something that I always have to consider. And then I look at, and I say, I don't want a team full of a bunch of college guys. And I don't want a team full of a bunch of high school guys, because I know that the ceiling is not going to be there with the college guy. And then I also know that the hit rate and the success rate of the high school pitcher, because the kid's so young and he's got so much more development and also the injury risk. And then also a lot of times um, when it comes to a pitcher, a lot of times it's not just the talent of the player, it's the development of the player, and you're relying on the organization to do that. 
Yeah, I like to approach it, and it doesn't always work, and you need a little bit of luck. But I think I think Theo Epstein and the Cubs just absolutely nailed it in that you just build up hitting prospects mm-hmm. and build it up, and you get lucky on a pitcher in your minors, and you get lucky on a trade, and you get lucky in a free agent pitch up, pickup, and now you've got three good pitchers, and now you can pay for the final two that you need. So when I am drafting my prospects, you know, I, I am drafting the, the better hitters early, and I'm more willing to take a shot at, at this point all that's left are dart throws for my pitchers. But if I've got three or four, you know, 20, 21 year old, you know, flame throwing pitchers that still have three years or four years of development, I just need one of them to hit and, or, you know, one of them to be successful. And I now have my, I now have the guy I need. Uh, They're not all going to hit. And I think once you get down to that, once you get down to that sort of tier of, of, of speculative throw dart throws who knows i mean at that point it's who knows who knows about the hitters but you th- you know you have a little bit better feel and again maybe you make a trade um you're more in in season you're more likely to be able to make a trade for a pitcher that's aging on a team that's uh right. you know tr- trading one of your things so I, I that approach so you know it's i don't think we're breaking ground here when i say if i'm looking at vlad guerrero jr or michael kopech i'm going for vlad guerrero I know. I assume they're ranked somewhat close. Right. Um, right. For my, sure. The tie goes yeah. to the hitter. Right. But you know, so the, for me anyway, the, the tie, uh, the tie goes to the hitter as far as uh, pitching goes. But you can't ignore it. And I just again, I embrace the variance of the lower end. I don't know the pitchers well enough to give examples, but you guys know what I mean out there. Is um, is, is you know, you go through the rotowire profiles. You look to James List, and once you get down to three or four hundred, you know, once him down, you know, two hundred and fifty to three fifty, the prospect list there. I just, I just read the profiles, and whichever, whichever glowing, whichever profile outlook on the site has the most glowing upside tenor to it, that's the guy I'm taking. Sure, sure. <laughs> I think what I try to do is just overall roster construction for prospects. Is I'll try to do like the seventy thirty rule. I try to do seventy percent hitters, thirty percent pitchers. So if I've got twenty man roster, I'll try to do like fourteen, fifteen hitters, and I'll try to have five, six pitchers. Uh, when it comes to the pitchers, I usually try to get. Um, I usually try to make sure that I've got one pitcher at each level of the minors or in development. So I may have one 17-year-old kid. I may have one 19-year-old guy in A, and I may have one 20-year-old guy in AA and a couple guys at AAA. That way there, almost like a a major league farm system in the sense that um, let's say the 17-year-old kid breaks out and all of a sudden is a top 100 prospect. I'm probably going to flip him. And, 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 and get something back I can use for this year, which is that veteran starting pitcher that you just talked about. I can go replace that kid pretty easily when it comes to the next free agent draft. I'll find the next 17-year-old guy and I'll take a shot. If I've got a 23-year-old in AA that all of a sudden um, I'm going to look at that player differently because I'm going to feel like that guy is not necessarily a trade chip for me, but is somebody I can use on, a, on my major league roster as replacement for somebody who gets hurt or flames out. So again, when I go to the waiver when I go to the waiver wire and I see that there's nothing there because everybody's owned, that's where I need the guy. Just like a team if if their fifth starter if a starting pitcher goes down on on, a, on the Red Sox, they're going to look to who's in AAA and they're going to pick from three guys in AAA and say, "Hey, this is the guy we're going to go with." That's kind of how I look at it from that perspective is I don't want first off, I don't want half of my roster uh, pitchers 
because of the flame out rate. And I want to use prospects as equity, hopefully, either equity on my major league roster or equity in trade to get to go get the pitching or whoever I need. But um, is is I can I can call that guy up. But again, I don't want a bunch of 17-year-old kids because, yeah, while you, you said, hey, I just need one out of the four to hit, I kind of have a little bit a different approach in that um, I think I can go do what the Cubs did. And if I got 15 hitters to pick from, I can probably use one of those guys and go get what I need at the major league roster. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think I may need to, you know, I, I don't do it as uh, re- I don't regimen is the right word, but um, I, I kind of more of a on the fly. Maybe that's why I, maybe I need to become more stru- structured. That's probably the better word. Maybe I need to be more structured on my list. But like I was saying, by the time, by the time I'm picking pitching, I'm kind of picking up the scraps. So, um, Maybe that's why I'm currently going through a little bit of a lull in my my dynasty sort of setups because I don't have pitching right now. It's it's, it's so tough. Uh, the, the setups I'm talking about are more of a – I mean the new dynasty is dynasty whether they're talking score sheet or strat or, or roto. But um, I'm kind of going through a lull in my score sheet league right now because I just don't have uh, – in strat, I just don't have uh, the pitching. I didn't have the bank of pitching to, to – dip into when Felix Hernandez, you know, pitchers like that, you know, are no longer aces. Right. Uh, a couple of things I want to touch on as far as on the minor league part is um, these are, and these are concepts. And I think again, um, uh, James and Clay have probably touched on, on a couple uh, on these for sure, but really it's kind of like an overview is the importance of what's called age versus level. And uh, I'll let you talk about that, and then I'll, I'll you know chime in where I can. But age versus level is something that I think is one of the most important things you got to look at. Yeah, the the first person, I mean, minor league, you know, minor league uh, gurus, they all talk about it. But the first person that hammered that home for me was Tony Blangino, who at one point was a prospect guy, then he actually was working the Mariners front office, and now does a lot of work for Fangraphs. I was in Tout Wars several years ago. That's how I met him, and he he his thing was age versus uh, level. So is John Sickles. It's 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 the, it's the common theme, and you you need to look at it. What what Ronald Acuna is doing at the levels he's at is just insane. And when you know when a guy is called up, maybe we're doing a DFS, uh, you know, a pitcher's called up, and we want to see if he's a a GPP play. If I look and he's dominating AAA, the next thing I look at is the age, and if he's twenty six or seven, it's like ah, oh well. You know, but if uh, if a if a guy's called up and he's coming up from Double A and he's twenty or twenty one, you know, Dylan Peters last year or whatever, yep. yeah, I'm interested. So there is, and I don't know, you know, the exact scale, right. and it, it, it it's it, it and it matters to high school versus college. It's almost a experience versus level, right? Uh, as opposed to age, especially now. But it's absolutely uh, a huge, a huge point, right? Uh, you know, when the international kid is signed, he's typically going to be 16, 17. When a high school kid is drafted, he's going to be 17, 18, 19. When a college kid is drafted, he could be anywhere from 20 to 23 years old. So when the college kid, when the college hitter, this is what, this is why, you know, we didn't, we didn't touch on this, but I did want to, you know, go back to the college and high school thing. I think when you're looking at college bats, you really need to be very strict in the in the type of player that you're gonna you're gonna invest in. Look at the guys that have been first rounders in the past five years, six years, seven years that were college elite bats that have gotten to the big leagues and succeeded. Chris Bryant, Schwarber, we still don't know yet. Uh, Ian Happ, we still don't know yet. 
Well, that's three cups for you right there. That's a trend. <laughs> okay. Um, a- Andrew Benatendi, uh, Nick Senzel could be the next guy in line. And then Alex Bregman. Those are all guys that were elite college bats that got to the big leagues very quickly. And there's a, there's a track record there. Um, and that's just going back a handful of years. That's not even counting the guys like Posey or Longoria and you know, continue to go far back. So again, I think when you're talking about college hitters, I think you have to be very, um, very selective with the guys and the guys at the top, the first rounders, the supplementals, the guys that sign for big bonuses, you know, don't go crazy on college hitters would kind of be my theory, unless they're the elite guys or projected to be elite. Of course, you're going to have the guys like Dustin Ackley that, you know, again, he just, for whatever reason, he just never came through. Um, and he was an elite college bat, so, but you're going to have that, but you're going to also have all the guys that I just mentioned. Um, so that was one of the things I just wanted to touch on when it comes to college versus high school is, you know, I'm more apt to go high school bat than I am college bat, unless it's a guy that I know is an elite college bat. Um, so we covered catchers, we covered pitchers, we covered uh, college versus uh, high school, age versus level, you know, and that's why I want to touch on the whole, you know, when a guy's drafted out of college as a hitter at 22 and he goes to high A, you know, the ceiling, you know, he's already kind of at age versus level. And so if he's mashing, it doesn't mean as much as the kid that's 19. So that's something that, that that's certainly something you want to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and also, the hitter is not going to move as quickly as the pitcher. Um, I, you know, you gave Acuna as an example, and that's rare. We see pitchers. I think Gohara might have been a guy last year that had just jumped, you know, significantly. It's a lot easier for a pitcher to jump several levels than it is for a hitter because there's there's a need for that player at the major league level is a lot greater than the hitter. But also, you know, velocity is a good thing. A velocity can do a lot, you know, and when you're pumping 97 and no one can touch you, you're going to move up, you know, when you've got, you know, 15, uh, 15 K to walk rate, you know, 15 K per nine or whatever it is, they're going to move you up and they're going to see what you can do. So that's just something to consider is that, you know, the pitcher is going to move a lot faster than a hitter in most instances. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is, uh, park factors and i know you're very very big into park factors uh when it comes to the major league level but it it is an issue in in minor leagues i think not a lot of people look at and i'm not gonna i don't want to get into park factors individually at the minor Mm -hmm. league level because we're talking about you know 30 major league ballparks is you know whatever versus you know, I don't know how many, uh, two hundred well, 30, 30 right. times five, right? Right. Times four. Right. You know? So, so, you know, even more. Um, so we're talking about, you know, potentially 200 ballparks. That's not what I would, I'm, I'm talking about leagues. Right, right. And I think just, you know, forever it's been known that the California, you know, the, the PCL is usually the one that everybody yep. thinks about because I can remember just, you know, going back a long ways again, you know, Dodger prospects were always juiced up stats, because Albuquerque, you know, was in the PCL and the numbers were always, so you always had to look at those numbers kind of like Coors Field, but even more. And you just scale back and say, wow, the guy hit 30 bombs in the PCL. Well, what is that really equivalent to? Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are a few teams I think we all keep in mind, Milwaukee with Colorado Springs, the Mets with Las Vegas, and keeping in mind the Mets are going to move their team (laughs) east. So we don't have to worry about Dominic Smith hitting 40 homers and uh, for the 51s anymore. Well, 
not just yet, but soon. But um, yeah, so the PCL and those, those a couple of the extreme teams that I do, you know, Milwaukee and the Mets, I do keep in mind just because they're so extreme. Their their parks and their parks are in the PCL, which helps me, you know, which just helps make uh, make it what it is. So for sure, and you know, kind of alluded to with Major League parks, one thing, so is so is the talent. So I, you know, I just I, I see these numbers. Well, maybe the pitching this guy faced in this, you know, pitcher's park. Uh, was good or bad, so it's 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 more than just the park, but it's the ones that inflate, and even the pitching, you know, it's it's really hard to me. It's even harder, and this is why some teams will jump a guy from one level and skip a level just because they don't want him to get in that park. You know, I mean, so I I I like a lot of Milwaukee, some of their young pitchers, Brendan Woodruff, uh, a couple other guys as well. Um, you know, I, I kind of take their numbers in Colorado Springs with a grain of salt. So it's a sort of uh, just a side can, a side note. Uh, yeah. The the Nationals jumped Harper, uh, and I think he skipped High A, and it had nothing to do because of the condition of the field. Right, right. They just right. didn't. You know, they they said, "Wow, we don't want to risk." I remember because my uh, a good friend of mine actually was saw his first uh, at bat in the minor leagues, and mm-hmm. when he got promoted. Uh, that was the reason why he skipped a level is he went right to double A. I believe it was because they just didn't want him on the field. The field conditions were so bad. So, um, <clears throat> you know, a guy, you know, talking about age versus level, a guy might jump a level and typically the level is going to be high A. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the level that they're going to skip. And it, like you said, it could be a lot of different reasons. They, you know, a, a young pitcher, they may not want to put him in the Cal League because that's like the PCL and that it's a hitter's league. Right. Uh, on the on the flip side, the Sal League, the South Atlantic League, is an extreme pitcher's league. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that you want to look at from their, from that perspective is if you've got a guy that's in the that's in the South Atlantic League that's just mashing. Like I'll give you know, I remember when Mike Stanton was uh playing, I think it was uh might have been Jacksonville or Daytona Beach. I don't remember exactly where he was, but he was crushing it in the South Atlantic League to the point where it was like, hey, this is a guy I better I better grab. And I owned mm-hmm. him in every single Dynasty League before anybody really knew who he was because that was what I was looking at. I was like, this guy's killing it in a hitter, in a in a pitcher friendly league with huge ballparks. So, you know, that's something that you want to consider as well. I remember when Xander Bogarts was like an 18-year-old in the uh, South Atlantic League. Again, age versus level, but it was also he was doing well at in a pitcher league with three or four years of age versus level on his plus side. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things also is remember that players develop differently when they're 17, 18, 19 years old, and power may not come right away. But if a kid like like Bogarts, I think the the flag for me with him was he was hitting a lot of doubles. And I think his batting average was only like 260 or something like that. I just remember because I, I went out and I got him in every dynasty league I was in at the mm-hmm. time. He um he was 18. He was he was in a good organization. He played a really good position. I mean, it was all the good signs there of going to get that guy. But he was he had a ton of doubles. And you gotta think, you know, this is a kid whose body is not developed yet. He's not going to be hitting 30 home runs. Mike Stanton was 6'5", 240. You know, that's different. He's developed. 
you know, Xander Bogarts is six foot, you know, 170. He hasn't developed mm-hmm. yet. But if the kid's making contact and he's drawing walks and he's not striking out and he's hitting doubles, that's something that you can project and you can find a, a prospect like that and take a chance on him. And, and it basically, it's a lottery ticket because he might be a top 300 guy. But then everything adds up, and all of a sudden he's top fifty, top one hundred, and and you can use that. Yep, we don't, you know, we don't have to, you know, go into where Bogarts is now, et cetera. But yeah, those are the sort of things that you look for. For sure. Uh, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to, you know, kind of put a bow on it as far as uh, dynasty leagues? Uh, no, I, 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 I'm pretty sure we uh, we covered the outline and then some. So I, uh, you know, they're fun, they're good, do it. Just uh, don't join my league. <laughs> yeah, yeah now for that, sure. Now that, now that you know what it, no, I'm just kidding. Once you but, get um, no. the, it, I'll tell you right now. You know, it, once you get, and, and I play a lot of dynasty football too. Dynasty football is different. Dynasty football, if you can get the guy for three years prime, you're happy. Uh, unless it's a wide receiver, um, it's a totally different animal. You know, dynasty in football is completely different than dynasty in baseball. I love dynasty. Dynasty baseball is my favorite format by far, and it's because of the minor league part of it and the fact that you really have to dig deep and it really educates you on guys and then when a player comes up like you said in dfs if you're a dynasty league owner and you know uh about a pitcher or you know and he's not a household name but you know about that guy you can take advantage of it not only in dfs but in season long redraft as well because Mm -hmm. you're ahead of the game as far as everyone else goes absolutely all right, man. Thanks again, Todd. Great stuff. Looking forward to getting this up on the site. Hopefully everybody gets something out of it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again, man. Thanks. All right. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.